Welcome to the Future of Supply Chain. Each episode, we bring together leaders across the supply chain space to discuss the role of technology and business model innovation on the future of supply chain. The Future of Supply Chain podcast is presented by Dynamo. Dynamo is a pre-seed and seed stage supply chain investor. To learn more about Dynamo and this show, head over to www.dynamo.vc slash podcasts or subscribe on the platform of your choice. Now let's get into the show. Here's our host, Santosh Sankar. Hey, ladies and gents, welcome back to the Future Supply Chain Podcast. I'm your host, Santosh Sankar. And joining us today is myself, but it would be weird if I interviewed myself. So we have our tried and true friend, Clay Ketzman, joining us. And Clay is actually going to turn the tables on us and interview me. So with that, welcome back, Clay. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Looking forward to kind of holding the microphone and, and leading the charge here. Hopefully I do a decent job compared to you. Oh, I don't think I set a bar that high in terms of being an interviewer. Oh, that makes my job a lot easier then. Well, my intention over this podcast today is at the end of last year, we sat down and asked ourselves, what do we think 2023 is going to look like? And after conversations with some of our LPs, we decided that it would be best to kind of look into 2023 and ask ourselves, what are some of the big predictions based on trends we're seeing today that we think are going to unfold in the upcoming year? So I thought we could walk through a few of those, kind of get your thoughts. And so they kind of started off, really want to talk about labor. It's something that's been kind of plaguing the industry, not just supply chain, but honestly, just the overall economy in general this lack of labor, if you will. And I'm just curious, kind of, what do you think this the labor scarcity, how do you think it's going to affect supply chain for this upcoming year? Yeah. Yeah. I like how you phrase that because we kind of have, or at least I personally have this weird relationship with just the concept of predictions, right? I don't believe most things in the world you can reliably predict. They're complex systems. They have hundreds, thousands, if not millions of variables that we cannot necessarily identify. And so kind of when we look at the, you know, these secular trends and focusing on what might be interesting in 2023 that way seem, seems a bit more informed and reasonable, constructive as we've gone through the last several years, right? To your point, labor scarcity has been top of mind across the supply chain, whether you're in manufacturing, you're on ports, you're talking about trucking, warehousing, last mile delivery drivers, what have you. And uh, it's driven by a few factors. One, just a global statement in developed markets, there's less of a interest or desire to do the dirty, dull, dangerous, right? The three Ds that folks might hear Eric Nieves at Plus One talk about when he discusses Plus One Robotics. And uh, on that with the fact that in the U.S., we have birth rates that have you know, dramatically fallen off, I think by more than half when you look at 2019. And also our political environment has not necessarily been as welcoming of certain populations that have occupied these frontline positions in a bid to give themselves and their families a better life. And therefore, this is a year, as I think about what practically would be interesting and is reasonable, right? I'm thinking about environments that are closed, 
there are fewer unknown unknowns. That's where you can automate in an interesting fashion in a way that makes commercial sense. And uh, we've looked at airports quite a bit over the years. And Clay, you and I were over in London where we were worried about our checked bags because the groups handling the luggage were threatening to go on strike, right? And this is a rather, you know, secluded environment and there's a repeatability to this process. Does it make sense to have parts, if not all of this process over time, automated away? Maybe not, but I think you tend to see these environments this year gain more interest, gain more attention than perhaps years prior. So that's something we're certainly thinking about, but equally also areas such as seaports. But now seaports, you do have to deal with the union. You do, depending on the airport in that environment as well. But are there ways to make the longshoreman's job hazardous because there is a piece of technology implemented? So on the topic of labor scarcity and how that's going to drive automation robotics, I want to kind of concentrate here on another buzzword that we hear all the time and that, to be quite frank, is kind of annoying to hear sometimes as well. But this idea of digitization and kind of the importance of digitization now, especially as we think about the broader economic environment that we're entering into, kind of give us your high level thoughts to what role you think digitization is really going to play in this kind of unfolding of supply chain innovation. Yeah. Yeah. Digitization can feel overused. And if any of our listeners have a better term, I'd be certainly open to it if it made sense. Digitization is just this concept of we have workflow that's finally coming online. It's setting it up in a digital medium. You have the exhaust, the data of that also in a digital medium. So there's a new observability and there's an interoperability, right? If you think of just moving something from paper pencil into something that's digital, even spreadsheets, I would consider digital medium may not be the best one, depending on the situation, but we have seen over the last, call it, six to nine months, especially the narrative changing in supply chain technology. It's less about affording you scale and handling volume. Now it's more about margin stability, right? And cost preservation or cost reduction, margin preservation. And uh, there's some data out there we found from Deloitte that's cross-sector, but software automation, according to the survey, can reduce costs by about 30%. That's wild. That's wild. And you think about an environment across brokerage, forwarding, warehousing, you name it, relatively speaking, it's underpenetrated, right? So that could actually be higher in certain supply chain environments when we actually apply it. And so we're actually really excited because we do have investments that have this flavor, Amitruck, Milk Movement, who's effectively an ERP for the dairy industry, Red Sky. Red Sky Amitruck consume their digital capability on their own. They internalize it, whereas Milk Movement creates it and sells it as a pure SaaS offering. But we're stepping back and saying, if costs are top of mind, and we're just come off of a period where everybody has seen how vulnerable their supply chain is, you're not going to stop investing in supply chain technology, but you're going to be looking for areas where you can reduce costs and you can gain leverage, operating leverage, right? And so 
that continues to bring a need, we think, for visibility and transparency. I sometimes think this is overdone. I Sometimes it feels, oh, man, this concept again. But it's unsolved. It's unsolved. Like, there's no tried and true leader out there, right? And there are actually segments of supply chain, such as warehousing, that don't have a true leader. It is still considered to be a black hole when you talk to supply chain managers. But then when you also step back, what are other vertical areas that this digitization could be of interest? Airlines, right? The belly of aircraft are routinely underutilized. Is there actually a model where you could maybe offer a full stack solution in a clever way? Or how about something more vertically orientated in terms of an industry such as construction, perhaps healthcare, right? There's certain segments of retail as well. This digitization opportunity could be quite interesting. Gotcha, gotcha. I want to shift focus here and speak about sustainability. It's a topic of interest of ours here at Dynamo, but also just kind of across the board, the entire industry. And really wanted to get your thoughts, especially when we consider a lot of these emission targets that big OEMs are setting in place that are, are lofty, if you will, very ambitious, or perhaps maybe it's a shipper reevaluating their supply chain footprint and pulling away from a factory that might be emitting a higher amount of carbon. What role do you think sustainability is going to play this year? Do you see, you know, the interest maintaining kind of the same levels of attention that it's experienced maybe as of late, maybe the second half of this year? So I think you'll see more interest in hydrogen and industrial applications. On the back of the IRA, and by no means do I encourage legislative-oriented investing, but this piece of legislation has effectively accelerated the timeline for hydrogen from what most people thought was around 2030, where you could actually have the economics maybe start to work out, to basically now, right? And yeah, there's certain parts of legislation that need to be more clearly defined till we could see some of this government support. But in industrial use cases where you have concerns around distance, around payload, we don't believe electrification makes sense. We do think hydrogen is the answer, long haul trucking, flight, and then certain pieces of heavy machinery, as well as certain segments of manufacturing, specifically around metals and chemicals. So that's really kind of where the mind space is at in terms of sustainability this year. And it doesn't appear that source of funding is going to dry up when you look at the private venture markets. If anything, I think investors are taking this time to double down, focus on what they believe is investable and interesting versus not in the sector. On the note of kind of sustainability and some of the um, themes that are kind of really driving a lot of attention towards the space, this is this idea of kind of regionalization. We've covered it this, in 2022 for what felt like the entire year, but was curious if you kind of speak on that trend that's taking place and really what do you think is the primary motivator motivation might be the right word behind this trend of supply chain regionalization or near shoring or reshoring whatever you want to call it yeah well i think it's interesting kind of how you followed up the prior theme trend with this one because a lot of how the ira is written is that you need to have 
local resources, whether that's the actual raw materials, the manufacturing and the actual value add by labor, you have to be able to demonstrate that's from this kind of Canada, US, Mexico region. It's very cleverly worded. It doesn't have to be from the US, but it does need to be kind of in this quote unquote NAFTA free trade block and kind of pulling that thread through, right? COVID shown that supply chains are vulnerable. And there's a question around resiliency when you have critical industry, such as automotive, semiconductor, pharmaceutical consumables, composite materials that are important in defense. When you tend to look and realize that the supply chains that service you as a country speaking are quite long and you don't have any kind of domestic or friendly, I'm using quotes that people can see, friendly capabilities to manufacture this. And so our belief, and we saw signs of it last year, but you know, the prediction is this year, you start to see these critical industries that are sovereign, they have security risk, they have societal welfare risk, start to get nearshore or friendshore or onshore, what have you. And you'll notice that there's a relative price inelasticity or sensitivity to these goods, right? Semiconductors could go up in price. We're still going to ensure that we have a laptop to do work, right? Yeah, prices might go up in our automobiles, but we're still going to continue to buy them, right? We will we'll kind of figure out and shoulder the inflationary undertone to this trend. But ultimately, when we don't have these materials like masks, like vaccines, bad stuff happens. So we think that these will be the first industries to, to come back here to North America. And on the back of that, you'll see consumer electronics and kind of other discretionary supply chains also kind of regionalize and diversify from their existing structure. But absolutely, we think this is the year that you'll see more intention, more interest, and equally the technologies and businesses that need to enable a new semiconductor initiative in North America or a healthcare initiative as well. In these conversations about you know, nearshoring and reshoring have been really popping up for a few years now. What do you think is kind of the primary cause for this, you know, if you will, sudden push of these conversations that C-suite executives are having? Maybe perhaps it was COVID, perhaps it was something else. What do you think that might be? Yeah, to your point, and I mean, you're the master of regionalization in part here at Dynamo, but I think in your piece that you wrote last year, these conversations were happening kind of as early as 2019-20, right? 19 is kind of cost, hey, you know, this is just healthy to revisit. 20 really kind of put it in when COVID basically said, oh, you thought your supply chain was resilient. It could operate. It can't. And as supply chain managers start to explore the total cost equation, right? It's not materially more expensive. In some cases, it might actually be more inexpensive to have your primary facility in Mexico around manufacturing. And when they start to put this, the cost of risk and interruption, yeah, that's the soft cost, but it starts to make ROI stand up even more so. Gotcha. I kind of want to focus on cost for a second as for this last, you know, prediction area, if you will. I think we're already starting to see layoffs happening because of broader macroeconomic uh, 
you know, forces, if you will, like Amazon, for instance, a few months back laying off a decent percentage of their workforce. But when we think about this upcoming year, cost is going to be a really big concentration. How can you, maybe it's expand runway as a startup. Maybe it's just extend margin in general. What do you think is going to take place in the industry today that's going to kind of address this prioritization, prior, prioritization of reducing costs in a time where you really just want to survive as a company? I think a lot of it is going to be the fact that you're seeing companies across the board make layoffs. Amazon had another round of layoffs that they announced last week. And there's a belief. And right now, um, truth be told, it appears that some of these organizations might have just been overstaffed, right? There were more people in roles than there were roles really that were required. So I think part of it is just the realization we're heading into kind of changing tide. And we need to kind of approach it from a position of, caution. And that means we need to be very thoughtful, mindful about cost. And so ultimately it comes down to shareholders if you're a public business, right? They're going to require certain best practices be implemented. Now, if you're a private business, I think like if you think of growth stage venture-backed companies, it's not dissimilar, right? The conversation in board meetings is not, how do we continue to grow like gangbusters? It's, oh yeah, how do we continue to grow? But how are we thoughtful about that? And does it actually make sense? We need to trade off growth for profitability if we see that within our sites. And it's that return of fundamentals that also will support when we come back into the upswing of the next business and economic cycle to allow some of these companies to exit, whether you go public, whether that's seeking M&A. And finally, kind of give us your take on Maybe one more prediction that you see taking place in the industry this year. Yeah. Kind of a big trend and theme we've seen is this introduction, what our fintech friend called embedded fintech, right? And we think of payments and supply chain and freight movement, same side or different side, same token, same coin. And oftentimes the same visibility data points that you need to move freight as a supply chain manager is what you look at if you want to remit payment, you're looking to get trade credit, you want insurance. So we see this as an interesting way to perhaps dislodge existing incumbent business models, but also a way to think about, hey, how do you actually re-engineer this entire competency? Because if we think of how supply chain was, right? Like, let's go back to the Renaissance era, right? Kind of your traders of your Marco Polo, you had the Medici's, you had trade and finance sit side by side. You never talk about movement of goods if you also didn't have a letter of credit or some type of financial assurance. I think you're going to see that get entwined in a much more efficient way. And why would you want that as well? In some parts of supply chain, some industries, you don't have access to credit for suppliers. Right. Or you might have very burdensome terms. And what if you're able to price this and appeal it to the masses because you actually have better operational data, ground truth. So that's something we're excited by. We have a couple of our fund two companies that are already exhibiting these type of traits, Solvento, Logrock, the Red Sky team out in the UK. So we expect to see this in mass and perhaps some businesses like TMS, right? 
it's an important part as to perhaps how they think about business model innovation. Gotcha, gotcha. I mean, with that being said, I really just want to thank you for you know, sharing these thoughts with us. Uh, like I said, it feels really weird kind of being on this side of the script. It's not, I'm not used to saying the thank you, but I mean, if anyone has any questions or just want to talk shop, feel free to hit one of us up. You know, hello at dynamo.bc is a great email to kind of reach us at. But aside from that, yeah, hope everyone enjoys the rest of your week. Awesome. Cheers. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a five-star review and tell us what you liked. And be sure to head over to podcast.dynamo.vc to keep up to date with our latest content or subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice. Until next time.